EMS is out attending to that young man, and uh, it's pretty neat to see two nurses and a doctor come to his aid. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for blessing us with people that have a lot of talents. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Um, let's pray, and we'll get going. Lord Jesus, we think uh, of that young man that uh, had the health issue, and we just pray that he's going to be okay, and we, we just thank you for the able hands uh, in the congregation to help him. Lord, uh, we thank you for all the prayers that were offered, Lord, and uh, we just pray for his well-being, Lord. We ask all this in your kind, heavenly name. Amen. Okay, we are going to be in Gospel of John today. We're going to do some fundamental stuff, which I really like. Uh, when I was in college, I, I had to take uh, two ROTC courses because I couldn't pass the math or uh, language requirement. So we had a guy in Army ROTC that was just back from Vietnam, and uh, he thought he was on R&R. You know, he, he didn't take it just too seriously because I think he had been in a lot of... Uh, battles over there to be back in the states at Ohio State. He was pretty happy to be there. He's a pretty light-hearted guy. And uh, he had this little rule, which we really appreciated. He said, when I kick the podium, it's going to be on the test. So jot that one down and get it. Underline it in your manual. So this is one of these kind of lectures. This is the fundamental stuff. So uh, let's just get started here, and uh, you're probably familiar with uh, John 3. This is Jesus' witness to Nicodemus, and it's, it's a pretty stern delivery. Nicodemus wanted to meet with him, met with him at night, and uh, Jesus just laid it out there, said, you must be born again, and there are a lot of verily verilies, and uh, I assure you, it was a pretty serious lecture and he was kind of surprised and Nicodemus didn't know more about the spiritual and uh, in this lecture in verse 14 is where we're going to start here and I I just want to read that for you Um, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness even so must the son of man be lifted up and when they use that term lifted up I've uh, read commentators that said, read crucify there. So this was a real real shock to Nicodemus. This is, this is going to end in crucifixion? Wow, my goodness. But that's the commission. That's the bottom line for the Messiah. Um, must the Son of Man be lifted up? Must, it says there, that whoever believes on him should not perish but have eternal life. Perish means go to hell. Eternal life means go to heaven. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, should not go to hell, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Okay, he's lecturing Nicodemus, and he refers to this unusual um, episode in the wilderness Uh, about the the serpent that was raised up. So we're going to go there and study that a little bit uh, because this is a a pretty stern message to Nicodemus. So this is 
This is important. So let's go to Numbers 21. And there we have the episode of the bronze serpent. Now, you King Jamesers are going to see the word brass in there as we study this, the brass serpent. I have, in the New King James, bronze. And those metals are first cousins. It's copper alloyed with zinc uh, to make, I'm probably going to get this wrong, to make uh, brass. And uh, what's the other one? Tin to make bronze. So they're first cousins. They work, they work pretty good. So we're not going to get hung up on that. And in Fort says uh, that they journeyed from Mount Hor on the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the soul of the people became angry, discouraged on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food, no water, and our souls loathe this worthy bread, this worthless bread. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. They bit the people, and many of the people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he may take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. It shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. So it was, if a serpent had bitten anyone, when they looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. And Jesus is referring to this and says, just as this bronze serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, so the Son of Man needs to be lifted up too. So we see this as a picture of Jesus' ministry. And the serpent could save people. And that's, that's a poor way to put it. But viewing the serpent could save these people that were bitten. Jesus on the cross saves also, saves also. Let's say that to get going. So the people were complaining. The people were complaining. They had been wandering for 39 years. That's a long time to wander. And they were disgruntled. And it says that uh, the soul of the people became very discouraged. When your soul's discouraged, you're, you're discouraged. You, that's right down to the ground. That's your innermost being is discouraged and unhappy. Um, and they were pretty close to the promised land here. And the king of Edom says, you're not, you're not coming through here. It's like this was Edom. And we could see the promised land over there. And their king said, no, I don't think so. So they've been wandering all this time. And now they got to go around Edom. So they're discouraged. They're discouraged. And they don't know how long they're going to wander. We know from the scripture, it's about 39 years. They, well, when's this going to end? It ends when that whole generation that rebelled, when the spies gave the report and they said, we're not going in. Everyone has to drop in the wilderness. Then they can go in. So they're unhappy. And it said, the people spoke against God and Moses. 
And uh, I read J. Vernon McGee said, this is the eighth time that the people have grumbled and complained against God. And there's always a repercussion for this. And this, this is a biggie. This is a pretty big one. And uh, they make this comment as they grumble. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? And that's usually how the grumbling complains. It was better than in Egypt than it is out here in the wilderness. But uh, God is leading the next generation to the promised land. says, uh, for there is no food or water, and our souls loathe, hate this worthless bread, hate this worthless bread. There, there was food, it was the manna, and there was water. But probably stale old hot water, you know, they're out in the wilderness and in the dust and everything. Probably just never got a cold drink. And the food, there was food, and it was from the Lord, and it was a good thing. It was manna. It had everything you needed, and the Lord provided it every morning. You didn't have to go out and and gather the eggs. You didn't have to whip up the pancakes, you know. You didn't have to fry the sausage. It was just there. It was there, you know. What a a gracious thing. There's no food anyplace else out in this wilderness. Uh, Pretty nice of the Lord to be doing that, but they're tired of it. Three, nine years of uh, this, this stuff we call, whoa, what is it? Manna. It's getting old. Wonder Bread with, with no peanut butter. Uh-uh. They're, they're a disgruntled group right, right down to their souls. And uh, they're, they're really unhappy. And the Lord doesn't like the grumbling. He knows he's providing. He's doing a good job with them. They've got the pillar of cloud in the day to keep them, keep them cool. And at night, they've got the uh, pillar of fire, which is majestic, and they have light. Um, he's taking pretty good care of them, but they're, they're whining. So he's sending a judgment, sending a judgment. And the judgment is these fiery serpents, and they're among the people, and they bit the people. Many of the people of Israel died. So it's, it's a serious judgment, definitely a serious judgment. 7 says, therefore the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he may take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed to the people. Uh, This is a good thing. They're they're under judgment and they realize that they've made an error so they do that intelligent thing. They're not that far gone that they say, we're sorry. We made a mistake here. Um, and could you pray the Lord to, you know, take care of these snakes? And, and Moses, being a humble leader, he prays to the Lord, and it is resolved. It is resolved. The snakes go away. Um, there are some notable confessions in the uh, Scripture. Uh, we have this one. have others like this. And I'm amazed at how few of words it takes to get God to, to relent, to stop it. David uh, had his issue with Bathsheba, premeditated, uh, willful adultery, and uh, had to cover that up with the premeditated murder of her husband, Uriah, and uh, terrible sin. And Nathan the prophet came to him and told this story that pointed right to David's sin. And when he got to the part that really convicted David, 
David cried out, I have sinned against the Lord. He knew it was him, and he knew in his heart that he had done evil things, plural. Evil things, plural. And he cried out and said, I have sinned against the Lord. And immediately, the prophet Nathan says, the Lord has forgiven you. The Lord has forgiven you. The sincere confession, confession is good for the soul, says if we confess our sins, he is, uh, his will forgive us and cleanse us and give us all righteousness. He's waiting for that. He's waiting for that. I've done wrong. I've done wrong. When you mean that in your heart, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. And another one, and this is the one I really like because Jesus validates it. We have the situation where the Pharisee is praying and there is a publican who is a tax collector is praying also. And the Pharisee does this prayer and it, Jesus leads off and says he prayed to himself. He prayed that he was righteous. He tied everything. He went to temple. He was a good guy. He prayed unto himself. And he finished with, Lord, I'm really glad I'm not like that publican over there, that extorting tax collector. And the poor tax collector, Jesus said, wouldn't even lift his head to heaven, but beat himself on the chest and said, Lord, forgive me, for I am a sinner. Jesus makes this outstanding statement about the quality of those two prayers and the confession. The publican was justified. The publican was justified. He meant it in his heart that he was sorry. And some theologians think that that was uh, Zacchaeus. And he went on later to be uh, in touch with Jesus and really came to his senses, really came to his senses then. But he made that confession. And Jesus said, he is justified. When in doubt, confess. When in doubt, confess. Don't let that sin build up in your heart. Confess it. Um, There are some notable cheap confessions, too, some insincere confessions. And the one that comes to mind certainly is Pharaoh. Pharaoh was having his kingdom torn apart, his empire. And he would say, Moses, I'm sorry. Call your God and, and, you know, get rid of this darkness, get rid of the plagues. And the next day, he'd say, no, your people aren't going. Sorry. You know, he was lying. Those were uh, insincere confessions. And then we have uh, the baptism of the eunuch out in the uh, wilderness. And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you can be baptized. It's a heart thing. It's a, it's a heart thing. These people were, had a heartfelt confession. And God says, I'm going to relent. I'm going to relent because of your genuine, genuine sorrow and your heartfelt confession. The Lord has a remedy here. It says in 8, And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent, put it on a pole. And so it was, if the, ser- if the serpent had bitten anyone, and when he looked at the brass serpent, he lived. 
boy, what, a, what an easy solution. What an easy solution. Uh, just go down and look at this serpent that was lifted up on a pole, on a pole. Christ is going to be lifted up on a pole as a display, as a display. This serpent, this brass serpent is lifted up on a pole as a display. So you've been bitten by a snake. So God says, make a, make a snake and put it on this pole. What does that represent? It represents sin. It represents that plague. It was the judgment that God sent them. They were being bitten and they were dying. Let's put that judgment on a pole. Let's take that judgment away from these people and and put on a pole. Get it up out of the way. Get it up out of the way. So that's, that's a neat thing. That's Christ taking our judgment. Our judgment as sinners is hell. Hell. That's not a pretty picture. Not a pretty picture. But Jesus takes that on the cross. He's doing, he's doing the business there. How do we relieve? How do we relieve? How do we take advantage of that relieve judgment? The judgment's gone. He's got a place for, for us in heaven. How do we appropriate that? Just like going down to look at that serpent. We just believe. We do that simple thing. We do that simple thing. That was, that was the mechanism of how these people were going to be healed. Just go down and look at the serpent on the stick. That's all you got to do. Now, we've got uh, about a hundred, no, a million and a half people. So what size of city is that? Cleveland? Cincinnati? Columbus? That's a big camp. That's a really big camp. And God said, put it in the midst of the camp. So some people have a ways to travel. They've been bitten by snakes. And I bought, but everybody wasn't willing to go down there and do that. I'm, I've been, I'm snake bit. I'm, I don't feel very good. I, I'm not going to go down there and look at this goofy snake on a stick. That's not going to work. I'm not doing that. Other people might say, that's too simple. I need, I need medicine. I need somebody to come and tend to me. No, just go down and look at that thing. It's a real easy thing to do. If you can't get there, remember the guy that was lowered down in front of Jesus? He had four buddies that lowered him down, and he was impressed with their faith, impressed with their faith. Get somebody to take you down to look at the serpent. Come on, it's a fix. It's going to work. I'm sure there were people that didn't believe enough to go down there and look at the serpent, and they perished. They perished. But the fix was easy. Uh, We know that a snake is a picture of sin. That's early on in Genesis. The evil one took on the form of a snake and uh, seduced Eve. And Adam got in the act and boom, sin. So, you know, the serpent is a picture of sin. Jesus takes that on himself. Jesus takes that on himself. Um, but why the bronze? Why the brass? Why the brass? This is where it gets interesting for me. I love Jesus' taking our judgment. Don't get me wrong, but this, I love this technical stuff in the Bible because Jesus said, the whole book is written to me. If you can't figure something out in the Bible, put Jesus in it. 
Just keep looking for Jesus in there somewhere. It's probably going to clear up. Probably going to clear up. Bronze, bronze. What's going on here? There was uh, an article in the temple that was right out in front, and it was a big altar. And they called it the bronze or brass altar. And the brass part was the big grating in there. It had a big grating. That's a big altar. And all the sacrifices were put on this altar. And made of brass or bronze, I don't know which, but the beauty of brass or bronze is it takes the heat. It can take the judgment. And what was going on there, people would bring a lamb or a bull or a goat, and they went through this ritual where the priest would pray with them, and the sinner would put their hands on the animal, and there was a transference of this sin onto the animal, a symbolic transference. They put the animal on the grating. They put the animal on the brass grating, put the sin, the sin that transferred from the individual He put that sin on that brass grating, and the fire consumed it. The sin was gone. Sin was gone. And year after year, they put thousands and thousands of those animals on there. And the brass grating was still there. Still there. 1,500 years, we think. Uh, We know that uh, there was a Babylonian raid on Jerusalem, and they, they took the articles of the temple. They may have had to rebuild that after hundreds of years, but, man, it had good service. It had real good service. Is that a picture of Christ or what? It's tons and tons of sin, and he doesn't collapse. He does not collapse. Brass and bronze can handle the heat. Jesus could handle the judgment. On the cross... After being pulverized by the Romans and the Jews, he gets to try on sin. Oh, man, that's a dark hour. Now we do the sin. And he didn't collapse. He didn't collapse. He probably had a pretty good idea how many sins had been committed in the world in total. But what's it going to take to forgive those sins? I think only the Father knew that. And poor Jesus on the cross, when's it going to be over? When's it going to be over? Probably hanging there naked, total shame, total, total pain. And, Lord, when's it going to be over? You're just pounding me, pounding me, pounding me. But he was like the brass. He didn't quit. He didn't say, Father, I've had enough. He went on. He went on, motivated by love. You guys are made in his image. You're still sinners, but he loves you because deep down inside, you look like Jesus. What a neat thing. What a neat thing. Pounded, 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 like that grating on the altar. Fire, fire, fire. Fire taking care of the sins. The sins are gone. Another illustration was a scapegoat took the sins away from the people. What was Jesus' fire? Pain. Pain was the eradicator of these sins. His suffering took care of those sins. Where do sins go? Where do sins go? Jesus paid for them on the cross. Pounded. Pounded. 
hot heat. He didn't know when the end was. When's it going to end, Dad? When's it going to end? Whoa. We're just getting to Richard's sins. Hang on. Whoa. So when it got to the end, Dad said, you're done, son. You're done. And Jesus said, it is finished. It is finished. And he gave up his spirit. He didn't die. He gave up his spirit. Man, wow, we. What a guy. What a guy. Like the brass grating on the altar. A few years ago, um, I worked a little welding shop uh, over in Western Ohio, Fletcher's, and uh, learned a lot about welding, but I, I wasn't a great welder. Uh, but I like the technique, real neat. When you get done welding, it's, it's there. It's, it's there. If you can put down a pretty weld, it's like art. I couldn't do that, but it was solid. And one time, uh, I needed to make this weld, and it was a flat weld, horizontal weld, and it had a gap. The shear guy didn't quite get it right. and it, it was a butt weld, and it had to look good on both sides, and I think it had to be watertight. So it was, it was going to be a challenge going to be a challenge. And I started welding. Boom. The puddle just falls out. I can't get these two things to join. It's tough. Real tough. So I'm, I'm doing it. I'm letting it cool. I do the little... <laughs> maybe we'll get something to stick that way. <laughs> and that little noise is, is short welding. That's short welding. Keep it cool. Maybe I can do this. Couldn't, couldn't get it. Couldn't get it. So I'm very frustrated. And I take my helmet off. I take the leathers off. I'm walking around the shop. And there are two guys standing there. And I said, I, I just can't get this thing to go. I just can't put this thing together. He said, what you need is a piece of brass. Really? Can, how can that work? That's, that's a bad alloy. How can, that, how can that marry with the steel? He said, don't worry about it. Clean, clean it up. Put that brass underneath of it. And set to work. So I went back, skeptical, skeptical. I got as clean as I could. And I got everything dressed up here. And I put that piece of brass under there, hood down. I'm welding. <laughs> I'm putting down a pretty nice weld. And I'm saying, this thing's going to fall apart anytime. No, I'm just going. Looks good. Looks good. My problem is fixed. This brass thing is making me a welder. I needed that. I needed that. So, okay, I got the weld down. Looks pretty good. Now, what about this brass chunk? It's got to look good on the other side, too. So I said to myself, it's probably just welded in there, something fierce. How am I going to get that out of there? I'm going to have to grind. It's going to be ugly. So I got a hammer and a chisel. I went like this. Fell right off. I looked at that thing, still bright, still bright. There's a couple little pits right where it was the hottest. My goodness. And I was walking back to those guys, and I thought to myself, brass serpent in the wilderness, help those people. Jesus on the cross, help those people. Brass grating on the altar, got rid of sins, really helped those people. 
brass serpent in the wilderness. Help those people with the snake bites. I looked at that thing. It was bright and shiny. You know what I thought about? Resurrection. It looked good. It took tremendous punishment, and it looked really good. Wow, my goodness. Jesus Christ hammered, beat up, took the punishment, and fixed my weld. Jesus Christ fixed my problems. He took all that punishment on the cross and gave me grace. Gave me grace. What a neat thing. What a neat thing. Got this shiny piece of brass. Resurrection. Jesus on the cross, mutilated, takes all the sin. Real dark hour. Dad wins it over. It's over now. It is finished. Where's, where's Jesus' spirit go? Goes to heaven. Goes to heaven. What kind of reception do you think that guy got when he went to heaven? Did he get some of this? Let's give him one. Hey, let's give Jesus one of these. He got a big round of applause from all those angels because he was a superhero. He did not collapse under the pain. The pain was taking the sin. What a neat feature for us. Let's get back to how we appropriate the judgment that he took away from us. So we're going to jump back to... We're going to jump back to uh, John. And there it says, to review, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must, must the Son of God be lifted up, crucified, that whoever believes in him, believes in him, believes in him, believes in him, Isn't believing in him kind of like going down to look at the brass serpent? It's an easy thing to do. It's an easy thing to do. Will you do it? Will you do it? I'm sure there were people that didn't go down and look at the brass serpent. They perished. If you don't believe what Jesus Christ did on the cross for you, you perish i.e. eternity in hell. That's a word, hell. Use your imagination. What is hell like? Eternal chemo? Eternal root canal? Use your imaginations. For me, it's being stuck in a tube in the dark, head first, like in a well. I can't get out of there. And how long do I have to be here? Forever. Forever. Hopelessness. Hopelessness. It's a bad emotion. Bad emotion. Try that on forever. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. He's a beautiful thing. He's a beautiful thing. What kind of benefits do we get from Jesus? Eternal life. That's a good one. That's a good one. How about peace in this world? Peace in this world. People go to see gurus on top of mountains to get peace and tranquility. Brass serpent. Brass serpent. Brass serpent. Took your punishment. Took your punishment. Wow. 
Isn't it reasonable service to believe in him? He did all the work. You get all the benefits. All the benefits. This morning I was thinking about the contrast between perishing and eternal life. I thought about eternal chemo and I thought about Cedar Point. I, I, I know that's childish, but it was, it was kind of a happy thing. It was kind of a happy thing in my limited imaginations. That's what I was doing. That's what I was doing. And I'd, I'd rather go to Cedar Point, I think, than do eternal chemo. Um, okay, let's go on a little bit here. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes again, this easy thing to believe in him, should not perish but have eternal life. What was the price? What was the price? Jesus paid it all, but uh, God gave his only begotten son. Gave his only begotten son. That was a freebie to us. He gave Christ as a gift to us. And he died for us. Died for us. Wow, we, what a thing, what a thing. Um, belief, belief. All you have to do is believe that Jesus died for you. Jesus died for you. Rose has a grandson. His name's Bobby. He's a great guy. How old is Bobby? 32? 32. And Bobby is Down syndrome. Down syndrome. To tell you how encompassing this free gift is and how easy it is, how simple it is, it's designed for everybody. Bobby would come to Rose's house, and Rose had the video or the DVD of the Jesus story. And Bobby would come in, and his first comment was, Jesus died for me. He had the concept. He had the concept. Jesus died for me. That's all I need to know. That's uh, kick the podium. This is going to be on the test, you guys. You don't want to flunk Rotsy, do you? It's going to be on the test. That guy gave me a C. Can't believe it. Anyway going to be on the test Jesus died for me then at the other end of the spectrum we've got Sir Isaac Newton who's got this Einstein class brain he he disappears from the scientific world for about three years trying to figure out the trinity the trinity he knew that Jesus died for him this is an easy thing down syndrome Clear out to Einstein class brain. It's for everybody. You can't use any excuses. He gave his son. He gave his son. The price is right. The price is right. Wow. Marv, you want to come up? Don't be on the outside. Don't be like the people who didn't go down and look at the serpent. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. If you have any questions on that, see me after, after the service. If this dawns on you later, like it did with me with a piece of brass, call me. 
call Pastor James. Love to go into detail here. Love, just love it. If it dawns on you and the Holy Spirit says, make your little prayer right now like the publican. Jesus, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. You believe that with all your heart? Bang, you're in. You get the Holy Spirit and a ball starts rolling. Give me a call. Give me a call.